Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. So I I bought a a Coleman grill to go camping, just a small portable one, brand new. And so I'm thinking, man, I got a steal of a deal on the thing and got it out, took it camping, and it did not work. And I'm like, now I know why I got such a good deal. The thing don't work. Well, so then I just thought, well, I'm going to call the company and let them know. Say, hey, this is what took place, and, and it don't work. And so the woman says, okay. She says, well, we'll send you a new one. And I said, a new one? And she said, yeah, we'll send you a new one. I said, you mean you'll send me some parts? She said, no, we'll just send you a brand new one. She goes, just send us a picture of what you have and the, the serial number on the back, and, and then we'll get it sent to you as soon as we process it. I'm like, okay. So I took a picture, sent it, and I'm thinking, man, six weeks, whatever. Then I got the email that says, confirmation, package on the way. Well, so I'm expecting just the grill itself, you know, and there's a stand that comes with it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, they'll just send me the grill and I'll have to use the old parts. No, they sent me everything, brand spanking new. And here's what my point is, is that's the favor of God working in your life because they could have said, tough luck, but they honored their product and I've got Two brand new ones. I'll figure out what to do with them. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, are you glad you're in church today? Yeah. I feel out of sorts. I feel out of, out of place, you know, just with the way uh, uh, I'm dressed this morning. Uh, you realize I don't ever come to church in shorts. I mean, it's almost like, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to share the word of God. We thank you for those that are tuning in online. We thank you, Father, that the word uh, at the entrance of your word brings light, that it produces faith, and it causes us to live a life of victory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. We are continuing in our series that we have been in, and uh, we started out in a way that we were just going to take a few weeks to address some things, but as we continue, we're like, man, this is going to be our summer series. So I hope that you're enjoying it. In fact, just as I've been ministering along these lines, I'm like, man, there, there has been some good things that have come out over these last several weeks. And so we're going to continue with the series called Churchy Words and Other Things. And so how many of you know that there, are, there is a vocabulary that you can get accustomed to in the world, and then there is a vocabulary that you can become acquainted with within the church? And it's important to understand that, that there is a way in which we can talk in or as the body of Christ that will provoke God to move in some unique ways or to help us have a greater understanding of what God's wanting to do. And it's not being religious, it's a matter of being of God then came upon him. So we're going to look at that word, the anointing or the presence or the power of God. Again, it can be interchangeable in different ways. And then we're going to look at some other things along the way. But again, we see in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy, uh, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
Well, we don't have any recollection or any story of Jesus doing anything in his ministry. We don't hear him preaching or teaching. We don't hear him healing or casting out devils or anything of that nature prior to him being anointed. So what does it mean to be anointed? The word anointing just in the the natural or in the Greek sense, if you will, if you define the word, it means to rub or to smear. You know, anybody ever anoint your chicken? You know, you marinate it and then you put it on the grill. Yeah, you rub it, you smear it, you barbecue barbecue your ribs or whatever, right? And so again, it, it means to rub or to smear, but the anointing also means, again, the presence or the power of God. So in other words, God rubbed or smeared on Jesus his power to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And so once again, this anointing is something that is significant and something that's needed in the life of Jesus. And we see that there was three areas in which Jesus was anointed. We could also say it this way, that Jesus did three things in his ministry. We see that Jesus would go about teaching, he would go about preaching, and then he would go about healing. Those are the three things that Jesus did. He would teach, he would preach, and he would heal. But all three of those areas, we see that there was an anointing upon him, or that he was empowered to do that by God, by the results of what we see. For instance, let me just share a couple of verses with you, and I'm going to share several with you. So if you want to take some notes, you can write these things down just to view them later. But in Matthew chapter 7, once again, we see that the anointing on Jesus' life was recognizable. In Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 28, it says, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. Everybody say teaching. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So the scribes were the religious leaders or the teachers of the day, but they said, we recognize something extremely different about Jesus. There's the religious folk, And they try to teach us, but it's dead. There's nothing on it. But man, when Jesus starts teaching, he teaches as one that has authority or has power. There's something on what he says that is making a difference. And what was the difference? What was that authority? It was the anointing that was upon him or upon his teaching. And so what does anointed teaching do? It helps to develop and mature the hearer, right? Upon hearing teaching, faith comes. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're in church or you say you go to a church, but you never hear any teaching or never avail yourself to teaching of the word, You cannot grow or mature spiritually. But also, it's important to have anointed teaching. Because once again, you can have dead teaching with nothing on it. Or you can have teaching that has the power of God upon it. And it begins to change your life. 
and at the teaching of the word that is anointed, how many of you know that revelation begins to come? Revelation is not just practical knowledge or understanding, but it's understanding that can be applied to life. That you can begin to walk in your position as a believer. Once again, I, I just use the example of seeing the storm. Seeing that the storm was coming on the news. And so what did we do as a family? We prayed. And I told my girls, or my kids rather, I said, you know, you can look at the circumstances and you can get into fear, or you can look at the circumstances and get into faith. And the reason that we can get into faith is because we've been taught who we are in Christ. So we see that Jesus, he would teach, but his teaching was anointed. Then once again, we also see Jesus preaching. Now, what took place at his preaching? Well, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching will give you practical understanding and wisdom to be applicable to your life. Preaching will cause you to move or it will cause you to, it will move your faith to where you step out. Amen? It, it, it produces an exhortation that will generate something on the inside of you from a sitting position to, man, I got to stand up and I got to do something, right? Why? Because preaching begins to exhort or causes you to move. And again, we see in the scripture that when Jesus was preaching, the Bible tells us that there was a following that he had. If you look at the scripture, the Bible says that there is those or the multitude that came. Conservatively speaking, when you define the word multitude, it literally means maybe a thousand people. And again, conservative. But then the scripture says that there was a great multitude. So you could conservatively say, again, at different portions of scripture, we won't take the time to define it. But conservatively, you could say a great multitude was at least 10,000 people. And then the scripture says that there were great multitudes of people, which means that there were tens of thousands of people that were following Jesus. So in other words, there had to be an anointing or an empowerment of God on his preaching that caused people to move and follow his ministry. Amen. I mean, the Bible says that when he went into the one person's house, man, they, they, they uh, had a friend that was paralyzed. They were trying to get in the door, but they couldn't get in the door of the house, so they went to the roof and tore a hole in the roof so they could lower Jesus down. Again, people were moved at Jesus' preaching. Why? Because it was anointed. The presence of God was upon his preaching. But then the Bible says that he also went about healing, right? And so what do we see in the scriptures? We see that the Bible says that Jesus healed the blind. They were unable to see. We also have in one account where the Bible says that Jesus made mud, stuck it in the guy's eyes, and there was no eyeballs in the socket, but then all of a sudden a creative miracle took place, and eyeballs were formed in the man's sockets, and he began to see. The Bible says that there were those that were, uh, that were lame, that were lame from their mother's uh, a womb or from birth they had never walked in their life but jesus ministered healing or the anointing or the power of god into their life and upon praying for them or ministering to them the bible says that they walked they leapt they praised god the bible says that he healed the maimed. 
You know what maimed means? Again, if you do a, a, a study or a search on the word maimed in the Bible, what it means is that there were people that were missing body parts. Come on, there were people that didn't have arms, didn't have legs, and Jesus ministered to them. And upon ministering to them, healing or the anointing ended up moving on them. And if there wasn't an arm, there's an arm. If there wasn't a leg, there's a leg, right? And then it even goes on to say that he even raised the dead. Come on, you talk about a power, you talk about an anointing, you talk about God moving in your life. Come on, we see that in regards to Jesus, how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. How is it that he did that? It was because of the anointing. So the anointing or the word anointing isn't just a churchy word. It is a word to be understood. Because if you've ever been in church more than likely you've experienced the anointing and you may not have even realized it. How many of you have ever been in church and you've seen individuals crying? Or maybe you found yourself during the worship or during the preaching of the Word. You began to weep. Well, why in the world would you weep? Is it a sad story? Is it a sad song that we're singing? No, it's the anointing that is showing up or the presence or the power of God and it's beginning to move you in your spirit and you find yourself beginning to weep, right? Or have you ever been in a service and you're thinking, dear God, I felt the presence of God and I got like goosebumps all over the place. Well, it wasn't just because the AC was turned on real high and you were cold. No, the presence or the anointing of God showed up and therefore you experienced something tangible in your flesh because of the anointing. Amen? You know, and sometimes it's, again, just as I was saying that, I'm thinking of somebody individually because you realize you want to go to a place or you want to be in a church or amongst people where the anointing of God or the presence of God is real and tangible. I'm thinking of one particular individual had came to our church oh several years back, and uh, some things had happened through some other ministries, and so she got offended. And again, it was just it was well. Long story short, she ended up uh, sending us a message and said, "I just want to apologize and just ask if you would forgive me and can I come back to the church?" And said, "Yeah, I never said you couldn't come. Just come on. We love you. Come on." And so she started coming back to the church. Well, then come to find out, she was separated from her husband, and they were actually in the, the, the process of getting a divorce. And so as she would come to church, I would see her. Man, she would be weeping during the worship. And as I was, would be ministering, I'd look at her back there, and man, she would just be weeping, tears running down her face. And she would say to me after the service, she says, Pastor, she goes, it's like you're, you're, you're talking right to me. She said, it's, it's like... It's like you got cameras in my house. And I said, well, that's just the presence of God. The Holy Spirit knows how to minister to you. And then shortly after that, her husband started coming around. And then little did, did it take just a little bit longer. All of a sudden, they bought a house together, and they got back together, and they're living together, restoring in their marriage. And then we didn't see them. And then my wife ran into her one time. I says, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a long time since we've seen you. But 
She said, there's a church that's two minutes from our house, and so we're going to that church rather than having to drive 15 minutes. Well, you saw God, the power of God, the anointing of God minister to you individually. You saw God in the power and the presence of God restore a marriage, but you're allowing 13 minutes to separate you from a church where the presence of God turns your life around for the sake of convenience. Are you getting what I'm saying? There, there is a, a necessity to allow the anointing and the presence of God to move in your life. And if you don't understand what the anointing is or what it's for, oftentimes we'll sit back and say, well, there's a lot of people that are just getting really emotional. Those are emotional people. They get too happy. Well, why are you happy? Because we experience or we know the presence and the power of God. Can somebody say amen? amen? All right, well, with that being said, Jesus makes an interesting statement to his disciples. We see over in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 15, Jesus is getting ready to depart and go home to be with the Lord. This is the final chapter of his ministry. He actually rose from the grave. He spent some time ministering to his disciples. And then he gives them a charge, or it's what we call the Great Commission. And so notice what it says here in Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Another uh, uh, gospel says, go and make disciples. In verse 16 it says, And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now notice what it says in verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now I want to stop and pause and clarify that for just a moment because what I'm getting to read beyond that, 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 that statement, people have gotten confused because what I'm about to read, people will say, well, that was just for the disciples. Jesus was speaking to the disciples. But if you read the scripture, the Bible says Jesus told his disciples, go preach the gospel and those who believe the gospel that you preach, this sign will, these signs will follow those who believe. He didn't say these signs will follow you as my disciples. He said those who hear the gospel and believe, these signs will follow them. So what are the signs that will follow? It says, and in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So in other words, Jesus says what I've been doing. In fact, Jesus does say that in John chapter 14. He says, the works that I do, you will do also in greater works than these. So you do because I go to my father. So in other words, he's saying to his disciples, he says, I'm going to leave something with you and it's going to be the anointing. It's going to be the power of God. And the things that you saw me do, he says, listen, if there's a devil that's messing with you, you're going to cast it out. He said, if there's people that are sick, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because you believe in this gospel and I'm going to anoint you to do the work that I did. But if you never know, in fact, the apostle Paul says, you, speaking to us, you all have an anointing. If we are the body of Christ, then we carry the anointing that Jesus carried, and therefore we ought to expect to have some results in our life when we pray. When I speak to a storm, I saw Jesus stand on the bow of the boat, and when his disciples were fearful and said, Jesus, don't you care? And he says, peace be still. And then he turns to him and he says, now where's your faith? <laughs> 
Or in other words, your faith could have done something about this, but I had to. So, because I know who I am and that I have an anointing, when we pray for a storm, praise God. I thank you that we're protected. Because I'm aware of the anointing or the presence or the power of God that is available to us. It's available to you. And so therefore, Christians, if you're a believer, you carry an anointing. The power of God is present and available for you if you believe. Now, just think about that. You are carriers of that anointing. You have a reservoir of anointing in you. So do you, so do you, so do you. So notice what the Bible says, that if two will gather in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Well, that means if two are gathered, or ten are gathered, or twenty are gathered, or two hundred are gathered, every time that there is a greater gathering or a corporate gathering, there is a greater anointing that begins to collect together, and there can be a greater outpouring because we believe in this anointing or this presence or this power of God. Amen? And once again, have you ever noticed again, when you worship, man, you start to feel the presence of God. Well, then again, it just bears reference to what we see in Hebrews where it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some have gotten in the habit of doing, even as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Why? Because in the darkest hours, we need the presence, the power, the anointing of God operating in our life. And therefore, I need you, you need me, and the more we hang out together, man, that anointing is stirred up. The presence and the power of God. Can somebody say amen? All right, so let's continue along this line. There is the churchy word that we said that is this anointing. But we've got to be aware of it. We have to understand how to exercise the anointing. But we can also tap into the anointing. Now, I'll explain that in just a moment, but I want to bring to your attention Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Now, if you recall, the Bible says that Peter and John had went to the temple. This was kind of their custom to go and worship. And there was this man that was begging or asking for alms at the gate all the time. So they were very aware of this man. But notice what it says on this particular occasion. On verse 5, it says, And he gave heed unto them, speaking of, uh, of the, the beggar, he gave heed unto them, expecting... Everybody say expecting. Expectation is very important. He is expecting to receive something from them. But notice what it says in verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his ankles or his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And the Bible says that he went to leaping and praising God. Did you notice what Peter said? He said, I don't have money. I know that's what you're wanting from me, but what I do have, I give to you. What did he have? He had an anointing upon his life, and he was aware of it, and therefore he says, what I do have, I'm going to give you. And if you receive it, it will change your ministry. You might say, well, I never knew that I was called to be a preacher. I didn't say you were called to be a preacher, but God's called you into ministry of some kind. It might be simply what's called the helps ministry, just to be a help, 
And there is an anointing, an empowerment to be a helper. But then there is what is called the five-fold ministry gifts. Once again, that's a churchy term, if you will. But the five-fold ministry gifts is what would be called the apostle, the prophet, the, 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 the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. Those are the individuals that are primarily teaching the body of Christ. Now, what it says over in Ephesians, uh, it says that these ministry gifts, again, it says Jesus ascended and gave gifts unto men, some apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists, and pastors, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building of the church. So what that means is, in order for you to grow, to mature spiritually like you ought to, you've got to receive from the anointing that is upon fivefold ministry individuals. And the, the primary voice that you have in your life is that of a pastor. And even though I'm a pastor, I have a pastor. So there is an anointing that I draw off of. And what that anointing does is it helps me mature. It helps me develop in the work or the call of God upon my life. And it helps me build the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So, in order to take advantage of or to receive from that anointing that is upon ministry gifts, you have to come with an expectation, just like the man sitting at the gate. If you don't have any kind of expectation, you won't receive anything. If you don't come to church with an expectation, all you'll see is a man talking to you, and you're like, dear God, would you shut up? You're talking forever. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to take a nap. I'm ready to do the next thing in my day. I'm ready to go eat a hot dog now. Would you stop talking? Right? And that's merely because all you're seeing is a natural man and not drawing off of the anointing. And so that is these, the next word that I want to present to you, that when you come to church or when you sit under a minister, there is what is called to draw or to pull on a ministry gift. Now, once again, this isn't something that we teach hardly ever, but it's important for you to know because it is significant for you to know how to pull on a ministry gift or to draw on that anointing. What does that look like? Listen, I can go to a, when, when I was teaching in the Bible college, I taught in the Bible college down in Detroit for about five years, and these were Bible school students that were hungry for the Word of God. They came every week saying, I want you to teach me. And I'm telling you what, as a minister of the gospel, it was so easy to preach because they were pulling it out of me because they were hungry. But then I've come to churches sometimes and people are sitting like bumps on a log and again saying, when are you going to shut up? And it's just like falling on deaf ears and you're like, dear God, nobody's pulling on the gift. There's nobody pulling on the anointing. And therefore, all I'm doing is giving a good talk because nobody's pulling on the gift. Does that make sense? 
And so when you learn how to pull on the gift, you're coming with an understanding that it's not man talking to me, but God's going to speak to me under the preaching and the teaching of the word. And therefore, there will be a demonstration of the anointing or the power of God in my life. If it's merely to hear the teaching that will mature me and give me wisdom and revelation to where I know Jesus all the more, or whether it helps equip my purpose, or it causes me to have confidence and boldness in the God that I serve. Amen. It's the anointing. And listen, I'm going to tell you, when I go into a meeting, when I'm sitting under somebody that I respect, I'm pulling, and the whole intent why I'm going there is to receive from God. Uh, I'll give you an example. Pastor Mark Hankins, he, he's, he's uh, our, our pastor, one of our spiritual fathers, if you will. And so in January, every January, we go to a meeting in Tennessee because we want to sit under the ministry at the first part of the year and hear the voice and the anointing spoken into our life. Now, you say, do you go with an expectation? Absolutely. How does it show up? Well, first of all, it costs me money to travel down to Tennessee. There's an expense. When I go down to Tennessee, I have to have a hotel for five days. It's an expense. And when I'm going there, there's an offering. And so therefore, I'm purposing to give into the ministry gift that I am purposing to submit myself to and hear the word of God taught and preached and, 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 and ministered to me. And so therefore, that one week will cost me literally thousands of dollars to go and sit under the word of God. Now, I'm not saying that to say, well, look at me, look at how much I spend. My point is this, is that I'm willing to invest in the anointing. When I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I go there, I'm not going there just to hear a good talk. I'm going there saying, God, I need a word from heaven. I need to hear you this week. I need you to speak into my life because this year is going to be a turning year. We're purposing to get direction for this year and God ministers to me every single time and it's not that i need a minister to come over and give me a word to give me direction how many of you know the bible says as many are the sons of god are led by the spirit of god not led by ministers or the prophets or the apostles or whoever else i've got the spirit of god in me but when i'm going and listening to the word there is an anointing upon that word and i am hearing from heaven because i am submitting myself to the anointing does that make sense and I'll tell you this, there's a young lady that's here, uh, she, we were talking and she's from Alabama and her, her, her uh, old pastor used to be Pastor Scott Webb and I've been in meetings with him and we kind of talked about this this one time because we talked about pulling on ministers and for instance, you know when you're in meetings the minister oftentimes is down here. And because, you know, you're in the circle of minister friends, you're oftentimes up toward the front. Well, I like the minister to speak and preach right in front of me. Because if I'm coming to hear you and I'm coming to hear from God, I want to, I want to have a face-to-face -face with you. And so there might be times like where I'm sitting where Wayne is. And so the minister starts to walk this way. And I'm over there. I'm like, get over here. But I'm saying it in my spirit. I need something. You come over here and you talk. You minister. And that preacher will turn and start coming over here. And then he'll start preaching over here. And then they'll start to turn. And I'm like, no, praise the Lord. I'm pulling, on, I'm pulling on the anointing. And before you know it, they're staying over here. Preaching over here on this side of the room. 
Well, why are they staying over here? Because I'm pulling on the anointing and the gift. And you'll oftentimes hear individuals, I think uh, Pastor Webb said this, uh, with Brother Copeland. He said Brother Copeland was walking across the room, and he said he kept pulling around, and he looked at Pastor Scott Webb, and he says, you keep pulling on me over here. I'm just going to go stand over here and preach here now. Come on. I'm talking about pulling on the anointing. If you'll come to church, understanding that when I come to church, I'm not just hearing from a man. I'm hearing from heaven because there's an anointing on that man. And that's the voice that I need to hear. And God's going to speak to me. And when he speaks to me, it's going to change my circumstance, my landscape. And I'm going to apply the word of God to my life. And faith is going to begin to move mountains. Amen. Why? Because of the anointing. But learning how to draw and pull on the anointing. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and we'll close. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 starting in verse 5. It says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, it says, And I am persuaded that it's in you also. Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my, of my hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power of love and sound mind. So here's what he's saying. There's an occasion for you to be afraid. There's an occasion for you to be fearful. But don't you forget, there was at a time that I ministered to you. I laid hands on you. I imparted the anointing into you. And so therefore, that which I imparted, don't be afraid, but stir up the gift that was deposited in you because of the anointing. Praise God. So what are we doing? We're purposing to stir up the gift, stir up the anointing for God to move in our life. How many of you want God to move in your life? First Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll give you two verses and we'll close it down. First Thessalonians chapter 2. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more eagerly to see you face to face or see your face with great desire. When you begin to have a relationship with a minister, when people, you'll see people that are leaving, they're getting ready, so don't let that distract you. It says that the minister, the minister begins to long to see your face. You think a pastor's just worried about numbers. Who's not in the seats? Who's gone this week? No, it's the fact that we long to see your face. Your family. We care about you. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're not just caring about you, but we're caring about generations. We're caring about your kids. We're caring about your grandkids. And we want to see that the anointing and the presence and the power of God not only sets you free, but sets them free. Amen? Why? Because there is a reason why we assemble together. And lastly, in Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 8, it says, And there, there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Pete, uh, Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Did you notice that it says that Paul perceived that he had faith? That's an exchange. That's a relationship. 
but that's also a pulling on the gift. Oh, there's times when I minister to people, praying for them, laying on of hands. There's times that the anointing is extremely strong and you sense that it ministered to somebody. But then you also see it as though it bounces back, as though they didn't receive it. Either they didn't know how or they just didn't honor the anointing. But we're learning. We're growing. We're developing in our walk with God. And the anointing destroys the yoke and it removes the burden. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for the anointing that is in this place. God, we just taught a practical teaching lesson upon a topic and a subject. But God, it's pertinent for us to move forward. To receive and to draw on the gift and the anointing. So God, I thank you for the anointing that's upon my life. I thank you for the anointing that's upon this church and this people. I thank you that, Lord, these people, this church, this region, is walking with a greater freedom and liberty than ever before. And we thank you that we are changing the landscape because of the anointing. So God, we thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.